We've been talking about foundations when I've been preaching this year, which hasn't been as often as normal. And all God's people said, hallelujah, all right? So I haven't been preaching as often as, uh, often as normal this year. But uh, we've been talking about foundations. And just, just to hit that, we're, we've really, we kind of started the first of the year, and I realize we're in March already. But we started the first of the year kind of going, um, we need to make sure that everybody that's coming into Faith Chapel kind of knows our DNA. What's the foundation of what this church is all about? Now, if you want to be legalistic, you would say, the foundation is Jesus. He's the cornerstone, and upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I agree. Don't disagree with that at all. But every church has built into their culture foundational elements and foundational stones that we build upon. And so we thought it would be really good so that those that are coming in, they could go, okay, this is what Faith Chapel is about. And you could go, is this a place that I really want to partner with? Or is this just a place that I'm going to say, God, continue to bless them. I don't want to partner with them. Because how many know that the kingdom of God is bigger than any local church? And I don't care how big the local church is. You could be in a mega church running 50,000 people in membership on a weekend, and the kingdom of God is far superior and far bigger than that one church. It's definitely bigger than Faith Chapel. And it's built upon the shoulders of those that have gone before us, and we're continuing to build for the people that are coming behind us. Have you realized yet that your life is too short for yourself? If you want to make a difference that goes for eternity, you can't make it for your... There's not a, you don't have enough time to make an impact on the world that will last forever for yourself. You don't. You've got to decide to join with his story, to join with his purpose, to join with his nation, and to put our voice with all the voices that have come before us and say, God, this is about you, your kingdom, your glory, heaven on earth, in Jesus' name, amen. It's about him. And that's the kind of life that we want to live here. So here's the things that we've talked about already. I'm not going to give you all the verses. This is just to catch you up. Uh, I've spent a few weeks on this. If I gave you the verses, I'd be preaching it. And then you'd be like, why didn't you just preach it in one week? So here's the things that we've talked about already. Number one, we're a church of his presence. I don't just want to be a gathering of people. I want to be a gathering of people that are committed to hosting the presence of God. Because if we'll make his presence our first priority and be committed to honoring him, worshiping him, and praising him, he says that he'll dwell there. And when he dwells here, oh my goodness, what can happen? Lives can be absolutely transformed. Signs and wonders become normal. Number two, one moment in his presence changes everything. I'll never forget the, the evening that we prayed for a young lady that was deaf up on this front row. And we prayed for her, and her ear popped open, and she said, oh, my God. And she couldn't say it very well because she wasn't used to hearing herself. And when she said, oh, my God, I said, yes, it was. Because a lifetime of deafness can be removed in an instant when the presence of God touches us. One moment in his presence changes everything. Number three, spiritual sensitivity is normal for believers. Now, I give you a sub-thought and say spiritual sensitivity is actually normal for everybody. Have you ever been with somebody, they're not a believer in Christ, but you've walked into a room or walked into a store and it didn't feel good to you and they even said, I don't like the way this store feels. You ever had that happen? Their spirit is sensitive to what's taking place in that environment. Or maybe somebody walks into this house and they go, man, it feels really good in here. I've had so many times that guests have said, I really love the atmosphere. I'm like, it's not an atmosphere, it's his presence. 
It's his presence that can change it. Spiritual sensitivity is normal. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. And we're actually supposed to be like him. God, open our eyes to see in the spirit. Open our ears to hear. Open our sensitivity. Number four, signs and wonders leave us wondering about God. It's one of my favorites. Signs and wonders aren't to be worshiped. They just leave us wondering about him. Pastor Brad, what is a sign and wonder? It can be anything. Anything that God wants to do that just captures our attention that causes us to look toward him all the more. To go, man, God, you blow my, you blow my spectrum away. You're bigger than I even think you are. Number five, rivers of living water flow from your inner man. Why, why am I reviewing these things? These are the DNA of who we are. If you don't want to hear about heaven on earth, if you don't want to host his presence, if you don't believe that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and that God flows through you and you don't want to be connected to that, you're probably not going to be comfortable here because it's, it's our speak. It's who we are. Remember, and, and the, point, the fifth point came from Jesus' last moment on the day of, uh, last day of tabernacles. He stands in Jerusalem in front of this huge crowd and he says, whoever believes in me from his own belly, rivers of living water will flow. What a statement, huh? Shouts this out so that everybody can hear it. Remember what happened? Those that believed in him, they began to go, is he the prophet or is he the anointed one? In other words, they couldn't discern is he the Messiah or not, but what they could discern is there was an anointing on him. Is he the prophet or is he the Christ? I'm not sure. There was another group of people that said, get him and kill him. Who were the ones that wanted to kill him? <laughs> your, your favorite neighborhood Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots, Aseans, teachers, scribes. Uh, we might call them church people. Have you ever noticed that church people can be some of the harshest people? You ever noticed, how many of you noticed, how many want to raise a pinky, but you want to be careful in case a church person's in here? right? Okay. Church people can be so hard, forgiven of so much, and yet so unmerciful. It's, it's crazy. When the one person that was without sin and lived without sin and never sinned, when the adulterous lady was brought to him, the one person that could accuse her didn't. Matter of fact, he said, if you're without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? And some of us even go, where was the guy? Because how many know adultery takes two? Anybody put that together? Where, where was the guy involved in this thing? He gives mercy. He gives love. He gives grace. Rivers of living water flow from our inner man. Religion fights when it hears that we actually believe God moved in, and because he moved in, he can flow out. Religion doesn't like that. And yet, I'll tell you right now, that's exactly what our world needs. It needs some more people to believe God moved into you and he'll move through you and from you to change somebody else's life. And number six, last review is this. Children do not receive a smaller Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? I mean, they don't. It's not like God goes, oh, they're just so precious and I love them. I'm going to get a little bit of my spirit. They get the same anointing and empowerment that you and I receive. Some of my favorite stories in this house are the stories of the children being used in signs and wonders, gifts of faith, praying for miracles to take place. We leave our children in here for worship because we want them in here for worship. Psalm chapter 8 verse 2 says that from the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise to do what? Silence your enemy. 
God uses the praise of children to, to shut the accuser up. How many of the accuser, accuser shut up in your life every once in a while? So this is just part of who we are. Let's go to the seventh one. There's only 11. We'll get to 8, 9, 10, and 11 the next couple of weeks by God's grace and the creek don't rise, okay? Number seven, knowing our identity in Christ allows us to walk in God's best. Now, I, there's a lot better churchier way to say that, but at the end of the day, this is really what it's all about. If we will know who we are in Christ Jesus, we will live at a higher level of living than what we're living now. As a matter of fact, I believe that two of the biggest problems that we have in the church, it's not the hypocrisy, it's not the judgmentalness, I think that two of the biggest problems that we have, number one, we really don't know who our God is, and number two, we don't know who we are in Him, in our God. So, Lord, give me revelation of you. Help me to know you more. As a matter of fact, if you want to know him more, scripture says that all the fullness of deity was put in the body of who? Jesus. So spend a little more time looking at the life of Jesus. If you really want to know who God is, just focus on who Jesus is. The fullness of deity was put in Jesus. So as you begin to capture the identity of who Christ is, you see his heart, you see how he operates. You see how he handles situations? You're going to understand your God a whole lot more than you do right now. And then you can begin to apply that to who you are in him. God, let me know you and let me walk in that identity of who you've called me to be. So here's the question. Who am I in Christ Jesus? If I've come into Christ Jesus, who am I? So I'm going to talk about identity for a little bit today. And I don't got a lot of time. It's already 1210. So I don't have a whole lot of time to do this. I'm going to hit you with them quickly. And we're going to let you jot them down. Here we go. Letter A. In Christ, I'm a new creation. Now, by the way, 1210 doesn't bother me because we don't get out till 1230, right? So we're, we're all good. So in Christ, I'm a new creation or I'm a new creature. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is gone. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I love this word, new creature. In the Greek, it's the word kainos. Not that I have to emphasize that, but there's a reason I'm going to. This word new means exactly what it says. It doesn't mean restored. It doesn't mean refabricated. It doesn't mean reshaped, resized, renewed, refilled. It means brand stinking new. How many are on Facebook? You better raise your hand because most of you, you're addicted and you need to get over it. But anyway, have you ever seen somebody post on Facebook? Yes? Okay. Have you ever seen them specifically post, um, we just got a new, and then they'll put in parentheses, new to us, car. Right? Have you ever seen that? New to us, car. And I guess they're being legalistic because it's not brand new, but it's new to them and they want everybody to know that. And we probably put the parentheses new to us because we don't want to argue with people that we love when they say, well, it's not brand new, right? Because we're already defensive and ready for what's going to take place next. This isn't, if you're in Christ, you're new to Christ, but not to anybody else. This means exactly what it says. It means you're new. It, there's other ways that this word kainos is translated in the Greek. It's translated to fresh. How many of you don't want old bread? You want fresh bread or a fresh piece of pie, okay? Unused, one of a kind, 
unprecedented. There are times in the Greek, this word kainos is literally meaning unprecedented. That when you come to Christ, you're an unprecedented creature. I'm not just talking about when he fitted you and formed you in your mother's womb. I already know that naturally you're unprecedented. God took the time to design each one of us the way that he wanted to. But we're not talking about natural birth right now. We're talking about spiritual birth right now. And when you came to know Christ, you became an unprecedented creature. Fresh, new, all things have been made new. How many actually believe that? I'll tell you a story. I might not get through this point. Surprise, surprise. Let me tell you a story. I attended college back 87 to 91, North Central University, Minneapolis, Minnesota, with the Norwegians up there, you know. They're very polite, except when they're rooting for the Viking football team. Then they're a little crazy, all right? But I went to North Central University. I was there from 1987 to 1991. And I was a part of a group that would go out every once in a while. We do street evangelism. There were times during football season and high school football season, we would go to some of the football games, just stand around, start talking to kids about the gospel, pray with the sick to be healed. How many know that when you demonstrate what God's doing, it's really a cool strategy, all right? So we would go do these things. And one of our group, they ended up on Hennepin Avenue one night, which is kind of a the rough part of the strip downtown Minneapolis, and they're walking along Hennepin Avenue, and they're partnered up in twos for their safety and stuff, and this guy and this girl approach this, this lady, and they start talking to her about Christ. Well, they end up leading her to Jesus. She accepts Christ as her Savior. It's a beautiful story. She was in her late 20s or early 30s, and they were, when they led her to the Lord, they were probably 19 or 20 years of age. Uh, what I didn't tell you was actually she was a prostitute that was working the streets on Hennepin Avenue, when she gave her life to the Lord that night. Now, just to be smart and to operate with wisdom, the young lady in the group, they exchanged phone numbers so that she could connect with her later. And I don't know if you've ever been there where you lead somebody to the Lord, but then you're never able to connect with them again. But that wasn't the case this time. She reached out to this lady. This lady connected with her. She started bringing her to church, started helping her grow, helping her follow the Lord in discipleship. By the way, not getting her saved, she was already saved but just helping her grow and helping her discover her identity in Christ. Well, the young man that had been used to help lead her to the Lord, guess what? The love of God for her that was used that night, all of a sudden God began to stir something else in his heart and he started realizing, man, I really like this lady and it's not just the love of God for a sister in the faith, but I think I'd like to ask her out. He submitted himself to his local pastor and said, how are we gonna handle this? And they began a dating relationship, and they were married. And as a matter of fact, they're still married today. And they've started several churches in Minneapolis, Minnesota, reaching to the broken and the hurting that are on the streets. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. How many think it's a beautiful story? But how many don't want your son to marry a prostitute? Do we understand what new means? Or don't we? And we all love testimonies, but they're really hard when you bring them into your own life. I gave you the short version. I didn't give you the version of everybody arguing with him about what kind of a guy would make a decision to start dating a lady that's been with thousands and thousands of men. And I remember he came back to 2 Corinthians 5 and said, do we believe that people are a new creation or don't we? If she's a new creation, I've got nothing to worry about. 
That's just absolutely marvelous. Folks, I'm here to challenge you. We either believe the gospel is true or we don't. And when it makes us uncomfortable, it's still true. And when it takes us out of our comfort zone, it's still true. And when we don't like the way that life's going, it's still true. She was made into a new creation, unprecedented, unused, fresh. That's the kind of Jesus that we serve. Let's go to the the second letter, Dan. I'm skipping some stuff. B, in Christ, I'm God's child. First of all, in Christ, I'm a new creature, but in Christ, I'm God's child. Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 21 says this, the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. What on earth does that mean? Right? It's a lot of words. It's pretty simple. Have you ever read about the story of Adam and Eve? The decision that they made, and God spoke some words. He spoke that the serpent was going to crawl on its belly. He also spoke that eventually there'd be a seed that would come forth from a woman that would crush the head of the serpent. And aren't you thankful that that seed came forth and she crushed his head, amen? He also spoke that that pain would increase in childbirth. Are there any ladies that would give me an amen on that one? You would assume, that, all right? He also said this, hey, Adam, when you work the land, it's not gonna do what it's been doing for you. It's actually just been producing on its own because I designed it that way. Now you're going to have to work for it. On its own, it's going to produce thorns and thistles and struggles and weeds. How many know a weed can pop up anywhere? Okay? They're resilient. And yet when you want to grow something, you have to work so diligently to protect it and to make it happen. That's what this is referring to. Creation itself isn't living at the level that it was designed to live at. Creation wasn't designed to produce weeds and thistles, and thorns. The creation wasn't designed to be barren and desert. Creation was designed to flourish. It was the curse that brought that on. So what is it saying in Romans chapter 8? That the creation itself is subject to frustration, not by its own choice. And it's saying, children of God, be revealed. Why is it saying that? Because the children of God are supposed to change things. The children of God make it different. I'll give you an example. You all know that we work with Gary and Patricia Heine down in Caracas, Venezuela. Gary and Pat Heine. I still love that. How many love that? Gary and Pat, only God could design that, right? Remember the name of their farm? Finca Mana. Finca Mana. What does that translate into in English? Mana Farm. I remember the day that Gary was driving us around and the avocados growing on this hillside were bigger than my head. It's ridiculous. I'm like, we don't really get avocados in our country. We get the just baby rejected, They had, I mean, they had the, and not only were these, I mean, we would slice these avocados up and then I would pour guacamole on top of the avocado. And I kind of wondered if that's biblical. Have you ever read that verse about don't cook a baby in its mother's milk? I'm like, can you really? I don't understand this. But I mean, this farm is amazing. And I remember Gary driving us around and showing us and saying, yeah, we have people from all over asking us about our farm because our farm produces more than anybody else's in the region. Our pigs are, are bigger. 
Our avocados are bigger. Our stuff, it, we, it doesn't drop its fruit. I mean, it's just, we are blessed. It's manna farm. There's a little bit of heaven right there on earth. You see, they were walking in their freedom as the children of God, and because they were walking in their freedom as the children of God, it was allowing that very region to live at the level it's, it's, it's supposed to live. I'd like to see O'Fallon, Missouri live at the level it's supposed to live. I would love to see poverty annihilated in our area. I would love to see every baby uh, going to bed with a full belly. I'd love to see this heroin problem that we have in our area completely destroyed. I would love to see our community blessed and operating in a unity that other communities around the world go, what's going on there? And people begin to say, we're not quite sure, but there's a group of kingdom-minded people there that are touching heaven, and then they're walking out with heaven's ideas for their community, and heaven's ideas are bringing a little bit of heaven to earth. Come on now, if I was in a different church, they would have got excited about that this morning. I'm just telling you. Number C. Number C, I did say that, didn't I? <laughs> Listen, I had to spring forward a lot earlier than you late service people did. I'll just tell you that right now. I am so tired. Please don't talk to me after service today. I love you and I bless you and go. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9. I, brothers got to eat sometime, okay? First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this. You're a chosen people. Have you ever read this one? A royal priesthood, a holy nation a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, when I think about this, I can't help but think about Jesus because I think about God the Father choosing his own son and saying, you're the one that's gonna do this. I think about Jesus being the chosen one, the anointed one. I also think about Jesus being royalty because he was a descendant of the tribe of Judah and a promise to which king? David. That David would always have a son that would serve as king, so he's royalty. I also think about him as a priest, not because he was born from the tribe of Aaron, but through the, the priesthood of who? Anybody want to take a guess? Melchizedek. You remember that name? Melchizedek lived at the time of Abraham. Abraham had went and rescued his nephew Lot and some other people from, from kings that had taken them captive. And on his way back from rescuing them, he passed this city called Salem, which was the old name for Jerusalem. And when he passed Salem, this gentleman came out, first time that we've ever met him, his name's Melchizedek. And he brought bread and he brought wine and he blessed Abraham. And it says of Melchizedek, that he was the king and priest of Salem. Wow, I didn't know you could do both. How about that? Melchizedek wasn't just a priest, he was a king. He wasn't just a king, he was a priest. No wonder it was appropriate for David as a king of the tribe of Judah to also put on the priest ephod and to worship God because if it's appropriate for a priest to be a king, it's also appropriate for a king to be a priest. And no wonder it's fulfilled in Jesus who comes not of the lineage of Aaron, but of the supernatural lineage of Melchizedek. Jesus is forever a king and forever a priest. And no wonder we can walk in the same authority. Because the spiritual DNA of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, flows through me and it flows through you. Are there any sons and daughters of God in the house? 
Are there any people that have been saved by the I am who I am? Are there any people that believe that Jesus fulfilled it all? And if we believe it, and if we've received it, then all of this is ours. You're chosen. You're royal. You're a priesthood. You walk in it, church. You're a holy nation. I love the Greek word nation. It's one of my favorite Greek words. You've heard me say it before. For $50 from, from Destiny Green. Who, who remembers what the Greek word for nation is? Ethno. Oh, her mom. Carrie, you, come on. You better pay mama, all right? It's about time you paid her back for something, let me tell you, all right? She's the one that gave you all that hair and gives you that big old bun on the top of your head that's looking good this morning, all right? There you go. All right, nation, ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnic or ethnic. It's where we get all the ethnic words, okay? I want you to think about this. You have been chosen, royal priesthood, holy ethnic group. That means it doesn't matter what tribe we're from. Are you ready for this? We become our own tribe. Black, white, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter our color. It doesn't matter our accent. Doesn't matter our background. We become our own tribe. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belong to God. And the first thing that it says is that we may declare his praises. I've been brought in so I can worship him. It's not a problem, it's a privilege. Here's a couple of promises. Let's start wrapping this thing up. Promise number one, we have direct access to the presence of God. Promise number two, we have direct authority from the presence of God. Have you ever met someone? Okay, have you ever met someone that you can tell they carry an authority of the Lord upon their life, okay? I remember I was in Chicago, uh, Illinois years ago for an outreach, and this gentleman walks into the room, had this great beard before beards were popular, right? Where this was in the, I guess, 91 or 92. I was there as one of the 50 speakers that we were speaking all around Chicago that weekend, I spoke in McKinley Park. I got to stand up on top of a statue and try to keep my balance while I was preaching. It was just absolutely amazing. But we were having our, our morning meetings before everybody took off to different parts of the city. And this guy walks in. He maybe is up to my shoulder, thick red beard. I don't know who he is. He walks in, but when he walks in, I felt the presence of God walk in. I just, I'm like, God's there. And I walked over to Gary Grogan who was the director of the event, and I walked over. I said, hey, hey. I said, who's that? He goes, it's Ron. I go, Ron who? He goes, Ron Auk. I go, Ron Auk? I'm like, oh, he's founder of, of Pray Tell Ministries, praying and telling others how to pray. He goes, yeah. He said, I went to college with him. I said, do you feel that on him? He said, feel what? There was a familiarity. They went to college together. You know, they'd, they'd been in the dorm room and all the stuff that happened. When that guy walked in, the presence of God walked into the room. How many know you can feel it when a man of prayer walks in or a woman of prayer? You can feel it when a worshiper walks in the room. You can feel, there's some people that sing worship songs, and then there's Josh Ortego. Okay? There's some people that they, they like to sing songs, but then there's some people that like to worship, and we just get caught up walking forward and worshiping with them. Listen. Ron Ock wasn't special because he went to North Central University and wrote a book. Ron Ock spent time in the presence of God because he knew he had access there. And because he had access there, he brought something from there. We believe at Faith Chapel in the priesthood of the believers. Let's be charismatic for a second. Say, I am a priest. I am a part of a royal priesthood. 
I am a holy nation, and I can change my world. I mean, it's true, church. We carry him. We carry him and what he has to offer. Last one, letter D, or number D, okay? Last one is this. In Christ, I'm light. In Christ, I'm light. It's one of my favorite verses. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Because I was, I was never taught this being brought up in the church. I was always taught that I was in darkness and brought out of darkness into the light. But I wasn't actually taught what the scripture says. <laughs> Who would have thought that? Crazy thing to use the Bible. You were once what? Does it say I was in darkness? It says that's what I was. I was in darkness. But now you are light. How? In the Lord. I was darkness, but now I'm light in the Lord. So live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all righteous, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. This will kind of be our wrap-up passage, okay? I, I don't know if they meant to teach this to me, but the way that I received growing up in the house of God was that if I focused enough on goodness, righteousness, and truth, I would be light, but the reality is, Scripture says that goodness, righteousness, and truth is fruit. Fruit of light. And I'm light because I'm in Christ. I'm in the Lord. I don't have to do anything to become light. I am light because I believe in what he's done for me. It's not just that he took me out of darkness. He said, Brad, you used to be darkness, but not anymore. Now you're unprecedented. Now you're fresh. Now you are brand stinking new because what was darkness is now light. So just shine, son. Just shine. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. I wonder how long it takes for that to produce. Anybody ever had an apple tree? Right? Sow that seed. And you wait on that thing to grow. And from the moment you sow that seed, it's going to be a while before you're going to eat some fruit. And I don't necessarily know. It can be different for any one of us. You come to know Christ, and you're brought from darkness into light. Isn't that what Scripture says? That you're a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You don't become a better Christian because you're discipled. Christianity is believing in Jesus, man. You can't make anything better that he's already made perfect. But now as I'm growing in my walk with him, the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth can begin to shine from my life. I don't know. Is there anybody in here that's ever lied? Okay. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're doing it right now. So welcome to the club. Congratulations. I'm preaching to a bunch of liars at Faith Chapel this morning. Woo! And let's take our community. Can I get an amen? Raising up the liars and the deceitful for the sake of Christ. All right? Yeah, we'll raise our hand. We've lied before. How many lied this week? I ain't thought about lying this morning. Okay? There are times when, our, you know, when kids go through that two- to three-year-old stage, they say don't ask them if they did something when you know they did it because innately they're going to deny it. You are setting them up for failure. Sophia grabbed her hair, cut it off with the scissors, and we said, did you do that? No. I didn't do that. Honey, it's in your hand. There's scissors in your hand. What are you talking about? 
I, I just don't know what it is with our issue with truth. And yet, for some reason, when somebody comes to know the Lord and the first time that we find out that they haven't been truthful, we're already to throw them back into hell again. We're like, well, they didn't have a genuine conversion. They're still a liar. You just told me this morning that you're a liar. And I love you. Goodness, righteousness, and truth isn't overnight. Fruit takes time. And it's worth it. That's why the kingdom of heaven is messy. It's messy. I would love that somebody would come to know Christ, go through our four-week intro to FC program, and then walk out with signs and wonders and angels and fairy dust. And everything just be perfect from that moment forward. But it's not true. What really drives me crazy is with somebody that started with the Lord and been walking with the Lord, then they choose to rebel and they go back in places you never thought they would go. Like, what on earth is going on here? Have you ever been through that? It's messy, guys. The kingdom of heaven is messy, but the fruit is worth it. The fruit is worth it. Who preached that here? Noel Kenny. Let's go to the last things, the promises, and I'll give, I'm not going to preach these. We don't have time. Here they are. In Christ, I'm alive. That's from 1 Corinthians 15, 22. If you want to take a picture of it, we might get it up here for you. In Christ, I'm alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. As in Adam, all die, so in Christ will all be made alive. Number two, in Christ, I'm seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 6. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I really wish I had time to preach on all of this. Okay? I'm seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. In Christ, I'm abundantly uh, provided for. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How many know that God doesn't supply your need according to your need? He supplies your need according to his glorious riches. Completely different. And last one, in Christ I'm given the fullness of God. Colossians 2.9 and 10. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought into fullness. You don't need to wait for a higher revelation, a second impartation, a third sanctification, or the emasimation proclamation. You don't need any of that. He's already done the work. He's done the work, and you've been given fullness in God. That's why Jesus is so important, because everything was placed on him, and everything that was given to him has been given to you. You receive it today? If you receive it, I'll stop. You rece- are you good? Have you had enough? All right, let's stand. Let's stand. Sorry, I hadn't preached for two weeks. I had a lot to share with you today. I had a lot to share with you today. And if Noel would have been here, I wouldn't have preached for three weeks because that brother can bring it. So we'll get him back here soon. So, all right. Does God love you? He does. Okay, listen, if you were brought up in church, don't dismiss the beauty of your heritage. Don't ever dismiss the beauty of your heritage. But you need to know how easily we can be influenced by religion rather than relationship. It's so easy. Okay? We've got to guard against that. God doesn't need another religious institution. He needs people walking in the fullness of their relationships and making that known to the earth. Amen? God, I thank you for your sons and daughters. I just ask for great anointing, great blessing upon them. 
And even though we don't need another impartation, <laughs> I pray that you'll impart to them anytime you want to. I pray that you'll use it through the laying on of hands of others. I pray that you'll give them divine downloads. Some of them have been so busy lately that they haven't been listening very well except when they're asleep. And so I ask in Jesus' name that they would hear what you're saying to them. God, let them hear what you're speaking even in their dreams. Lord, I thank you that um, you love all of us so much that you speak to us because we're your sheep. And your word says that your sheep know your voice. So anybody that's believing the lie that they just can't hear from God, we denounce that right now. We can hear from you. We already know we hear when the enemy's speaking, so we know we can hear from you. God, I pray over your sons and daughters that, that they would just be blessed beyond comparison. They're unprecedented people from darkness to light. And I pray that the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth would be seen in their lives. But I pray that more than anything, you would be praised and you would be glorified. Now over, your, over you, church, I just ask that God's face would turn towards you, that he would be gracious to you, that he would give you peace. I ask that his word would be the lamp to your feet and the light to your path. And I pray that mercy and goodness will follow you all the days of your life. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.